On the record on News Talk. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. Tomorrow, at 21st of March, marks the birthday of one of the most important figures, possibly, in modern uh, Irish sporting history. Uh, someone whose name is probably more regularly mentioned these days in connection with a property development on a road named after him and different squabbles about who's been holding it up for years. Uh, but the road isn't the only thing that carries the name of Oscar Trainer. There's an FAI Cup that is still named in his honour. Uh, but things could have gone very differently had Oscar been less fortunate on the barricades of his youth because Oscar Trainer's story is deeply tied to the history of soccer on this island which is a game that he was forced at different times uh, to defend very vigorously against opposition from politicians and indeed some clerics and Donald Fallon as ever is on the line to talk us all through it uh, Donald good to talk to you again because I certainly I missed your company last week but I'm sure uh, you missed the company of the show last week while you were holed up <laughs> and, and you're still remote just while you get over the last little remnants of, of the Rona um, some people may know the name of Oscar Trainer from the competitive world of youth soccer um, but his is quite the life story, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Oscar Trainer is one of those incredible 20th century Irish lives. And one of those 1916 veterans who didn't fade into happy retirement, you know, quite like his contemporaries in Fianna Fáil, Sean Lamas, Sean McEntee, Dev and others. They were like a Charles de Gaulle generation, you know, they just stayed involved in politics <laughs> until the very end. Mm. And Oscar remained a voice in Irish public life well into the second half of the 20th century. But what's great about this story is it's not just a political story. It takes us really from Belfast Celtic Football Club. Uh, a club that was driven out of business in very tragic circumstances during the Troubles, true to the visit of Yugoslavia to Daly Mount Park. And Oscar's name is still synonymous with the game of football today, the very prestigious youth tournament that is the Oscar Trainer Cup. And perhaps mm. some listeners have stood on the sidelines shouting at children, competing for that one. But, you know, born in Dublin in the 1880s, Trainer came from a, a deeply nationalist household. But one part of the cultural revival which passed him by, really, was the rise of Gaelic games. He played football, soccer, and as one obituary put it, just really simple and really beautifully, he said, Oscar Trainer played soccer for the simple reason that he liked it best. Which is a, a really refreshing bluntness given the, the sporting politics of the late 19th century and early 20th century that he chose the sport not because of any political ground but just because he, he enjoyed it more. Um, and To some people, sport was just sport but there was one fellow revolutionary of his who played a, a simply like a genuinely staggering number of games. Yeah, some people were adamant that, you know, sport and politics, like, you know, politics and language were inseparable. And actually, I would say, you know, sport in our time seems remarkably political. I mean, any Premier League game or anything we watch often begins now with a kind of political gesture of some kind. Mm. But, you know, other people maintain that actually sport and politics never had to meet. So that was really true of Charles William St. John Burgess, better known to listeners as, as Cahill Brewer, who one biographer tells us excelled at swimming, cricket, hurling, football, rope climbing, shooting, cycling, athletics, boxing and gymnastics. Isn't that extraordinary? The original decathlon. You know, there, was, there was, yes. There was someone at the very forefront of advanced nationalism, you know, mm. a man who took a hail of bullets. I often wondered actually how Carl Brewer survived being shot so many times in 1916. And I think the answer is he was clearly in, in very, very good shape. <laughs> yeah. And to some young men and, and young women, you know, people like Oscar Trainer who liked kicking a, a football or Carl Brewer who liked seemingly doing everything, mm. you know, sport was, was strictly recreational. And they didn't have a 
sense that some games were Irish and, and yeah. some games weren't. I, I just love the, the variety of stuff that Brewer was into, though. You know that whole thing about how modern pentathlon, like the famous one that Natalia Coyle got, <laughs> got burned in last year, that, that it was the, the, the original sports that were created that if you were being held hostage by some sort of enemy and that they would be the skills that you'd need. You'd need to be able to swim and ride a horse and fence <laughs> and, and yeah. run quite fast. They were the, way, the ways you needed to get out. When you go through Brewer's sports again, so what do you have? You have swimming, cricket, hurling, football, shooting, athletics, boxing, gymnastics. It's all a bit like Irish Republican decathlon, <laughs> basically, isn't it? That's all the stuff that you need to, to make yeah. your way out of the GPO alive. Um, Oscar Trainer then, perhaps feeling maybe a bit uncomfortable with his sporting life, um, argued that actually soccer was less of an import than other people saw it as. I think on some level, the young trainer who loved soccer, yeah, might have felt this kind of nagging feeling about, about the game, the belief that you had to justify it to others. I think more than a few eyebrows were raised when he, he wrote this article in the 1920s for Football Sports Weekly, in which he basically said, football is a, quote, Celtic game, pure and simple, having its roots in the highlands of Scotland. Now, look, hmm. kicking ball games are as old as human society. As long as there have been men and women, they've been kicking balls around the place. But soccer you know, has a deeply contested origin story. The Italians, the English, the Greeks, the Chinese will all fight over it. Yeah. A Celtic birth, that, to be honest, that is a most unusual theory. But it's interesting that this, you know, this fine gale in every other aspect of life felt the ability to try and convince himself that that soccer was yeah. in some ways Celtic. And and maybe it suggests that actually maybe his choice of sport was a little bit more political than he laid it on to be, that if he had to try and sort of invent this sort of Fenian origin to it all, maybe. Um, his playing career centres on, on one famous name you've already mentioned there, Belfast Celtic, uh, which was very deliberately easily confused with Glasgow Celtic. Yeah, and I mean, if you're trying to convince yourself that soccer is a is a Celtic nationalist game, maybe there's no argument there historically, but he at least played his football with a nationalist side, you know, by the name mm. of Belfast Celtic as goalkeeper. They're at a really interesting time in the club's history, synonymous with the, the Falls Road in West Belfast. And everything about them, even the name, you know, Celtic, they play in green and white. Their stadium was known as Paradise, not quite okay. as impressive as Paradise yeah. in Glasgow. But the influence of the kind of Glaswegian migrant team was there at every level. Like it's, it's a total uh, clone. Of, it's a self-designed sister club of the guys in Parkhead in Glasgow. Absolutely. And a, a few players do line out for both. But peculiarly, in 1912, uh, a time when trainer was at the ground, their stadium hosted a, a rally for home rule that was addressed by none other than Winston Churchill, which was just a what? bizarre moment okay. in history. Winston Churchill standing in a soccer ground in West Belfast, arguing for, for home rule. But trainers there at a great time. I mean, the club win the inaugural Gold Cup against Cliftonville. Cliftonville, now a nationalist team, were then very different. They were a unionist team with mm. a, a cricket team on the side. And uh, they tour Europe in a series of exhibition games. They win five of six clashes. They play in Prague. And look, trainer could have continued on as a goalkeeper into the future. But in his statement to the Bureau of Military History, it's just one of the best openings to any of those statements I've ever found. He just captures the mood. I joined the volunteers in July 1914, the Monday following the Haute gun running. I was connected with football up to that. I broke with football when I saw that there was something serious pending. It's not just a brilliant <laughs> opening to a memoir. Yeah. So football, you know, the, the whole, what was the, is it Shankly about how, you know, it's, 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 you know, life or death, it's more important than that. And he's like, well, you know, when something serious came up, then football just went, yeah. went completely to the sideline. <laughs> yeah. And so then just like that, because football had been like such a clear love of his young life and he, and he had put such legwork into trying to defend his choice of sport. And just like that, he gives it up in, in favour of the cause of revolution. 
yeah, as you said, something serious pending. What a way of putting it. And it, it's also a reminder that a lot of young men and young women, they all made a similar decision. You know, whatever it was in their life that they loved or that shaped them, they basically put it on hold. So, something's come up. And his statement is, is really brilliant. I mean, these are all online to read for free. You know, if anyone's looking for something to do over the, over the Sunday morning coffee, read Oscar Trainer's statement. It's great. He talks about being in the metropole, basically where Pennies is today, beside the GPO. Uh, and recounts how I had the extraordinary experience of seeing the huge plate glass windows of Cleary's run molten into the channel from the terrific heat. Just imagine looking across the street at Cleary's and seeing the windows melting. And to survive that was some achievement. He also came through the subsequent civil war, but he really describes these things with brilliance. And it's a real pity he didn't talk about his footballing days in mm. the same detail he talked about the revolution that he survived. <laughs> yeah, but it would make for some interesting memoirs, all right. Uh, he was located in the Metropole, which, as you say, is where Penny stands today. Another thing which came out of the Metropole, which is the current site of the Pennies on O'Connell Street, was the theatre from which Fianna Fáil was founded, a party which Oscar Trainer joined, but not necessarily from the get-go. And yet then within a few short years, he ends up in the cabinet with them anyway. Yeah, De Valera builds this remarkable team of people like Sean Lamas and Constance Markovich and others who are kind of willing to have a go, you know, and they're trying to get around this great challenge of uh, abstentionism. They're going kind of weary of it. They're looking for a pathway into the into the doll. Uh, he remains in Sinn Féin for some time. He's elected as a Sinn Féin TD, but eventually joins Fianna Fáil, goes in uh, behind the, the early bloomer, so to speak. And by the late end of the 30s, he's in a really unenviable ministership, you know, probably the, the poison chalice nobody wants in the doll in 1939. That's not a great time to become Minister for Defence, but that's exactly what happens. <laughs> no, as Europe, no, it's not. As Europe is on the brink of war. And, you know, in his time as, as Minister for Defence, he does some really interesting things. He brings in an amendment of National Army Policy in 42 that it had afforded the GAA a privileged status. So essentially, you know, that men and women of the armed forces, sports are all viewed on an equal basis. That was a big, big deal. Uh, he'd set beside Douglas Hyde, when the president went to a soccer match in Daly Mount Park uh, in, in, the, in the late 30s too. Yeah. That led to Hyde's expulsion yes. uh, from the GAA. So it's fair to say, you know, Oscar Trainer, he wasn't necessarily regarded as a friend, you might say, by, mm. by HQ uh, in Croke Park. But yeah. he used his various positions in government to try and level the playing field, you might say, the metaphorical playing field yeah. when it came to sports uh, in Ireland. It is remarkable just to think, just to totally in passing, that the GAA's adherence to the ban on foreign games was so profound that even when the president went to a soccer match to watch the national <laughs> yeah. team play, that it was too much, too much of a Rubicon cross that they did get rid of him. But trainer there sitting beside him uh, for that moment. Um, so I, the, I have it on good authority. Our current Ookteron has a picture of that moment in, in, in the Oris today. <laughs> I wouldn't be at all surprised <laughs> if he does. Um, so the war passes, uh, you know, with, with him as, as the Minister for Defence, as you say, you know, not really the ideal cabinet job at that time. Uh, but by the late 1940s then, there was finally a little bit more time for football. It's it's interesting to think of this guy's life trainer as someone's life, his footballing life, we might say, is constantly interrupted by the bigger picture. You know, the rising, the civil war, then the global world war when you're minister for defence. But finally, the breeding room comes in the late 40s. And from 48, yeah, he serves as, as president of the, of the FAI. And he's there at a really, really important time, a very dramatic moment, which is the, the visit of the Yugoslav football team uh, to Daly Mount Park mm. in a match that attracted enormous negative attention. Yeah, so wh- wh- why is time. that? So what's, what's the issue there with Yugoslavia coming to Ireland? Yugoslavia is communist. Uh, the Archbishop of Dublin kind of urges a boycott uh, of the game. 
the Garda band refused to play the anthems. Philip Green, the great soccer commentator, refuses to commentate it as a, as a Catholic. And despite all of this, this pressure on the FAI, you can't play these guys, you can't play these guys. Mm. They push on. And more than 20, everyone remembers McQuaid saying, don't go to the match. No one talks about the fact 20,000 people did go, you know, which yeah. in itself was was a very symbolic act, yeah. uh, if you will, by, by people in Dublin saying, actually, we're just going to go watch the match. Which actually is, is something which people may be more familiar with if they've read one of the more recent memoirs of a certain sports journalist in Ireland. Yeah, Eamon Dunphy's memoir is fantastic. One of the great Irish memoirs of the 20th century, The Rocky Road. And the way he writes about this is is fantastic. He quotes Sam Prohl, who was the chairman of the FAI uh, at the time. And he got a lot of slack for this game going ahead. Oscar's the president, Sam is the, the chairman. And Sam... Uh, Eamon tells us in the memoir, FAI chairman Sam Prohl remarked that he doubted that the Yugoslav Football Association had any more influence on the nation's politics than he did on Ireland's. That's an interesting <laughs> thing to ponder at the moment, mm. you know, when we hear so much talk around Russia's involvement uh, in, in, in global sport. Yeah, that, that, is too, there any value in, in trying to exclude them from sporting communities because are, are they inherently political or are they just yeah, athletic the, bodies? You know, does, does some Russian gymnast bear the, the crimes of Vladimir Putin? These these are serious questions people in sport are asking now. And there's other great accounts of that day. Liam, Liam Tuohy, who's lining up for Ireland in, in the tunnel, he was asked about the game decades later and he said he watched the Yugoslavs blessing themselves in the tunnel. He said there were nearly more Catholics on their side than there were on ours. <laughs> and Trainer publicly said, we have nothing to defend. Our actions have been above board, friendly, and will continue to be so. And maybe that game going ahead tells us more about Oscar Trainer than, than many other things that he did in his life. It did. And, and I didn't expect, actually, to, when I was putting this together this week, that, that, that current events would, 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 it would impact how I thought about current events in some way, because it made me think about the power of sport. You know, and Oscar made that point that soccer had the ability to unify people. And I think he, he, he played no small role in demonstrating how sport could coexist, how sport could exist also mm. outside of politics. Someone who was an incredibly political person but who believed sport could exist outside of that. Now, all sports had their place in a, in a society. And I mean, one of the tragedies of Oscar Trainer is that he dies in 63, which is just three years before the Golden Jubilee of the Rising. And then what they do in 1966, which was really unprecedented, as well as parading the veterans around Croke Park. And that's the footage that you always see and yeah. reeling in the years, mm. you know, 1966, walking around Croker. They also paraded them around Dalyman Park in that year before okay. the FAI Cup final. That was a really nice thing, a really special thing uh, that would have been unimaginable even 25 years earlier. Yeah. So we owe a lot to trainer. You know, the idea that you're no less an Irishman or woman should you choose to kick a a, a football. Yeah, in if, the you, park. if you pick a size five <laughs> ball instead of a size four, that you're you're no less of a no less of a true Gael. Um, I had <laughs> I had no idea actually that they they'd been paraded around uh, daily as well, which I suppose in, in its own way, yeah, as you say, is a. A remarkable tribute and maybe a sign of his success in trying to, to convince people that your your choice of sport wasn't a political gesture um, in and of itself. Um, Oscar Trainer, whose birthday would have been tomorrow, the 21st of March, born on that day uh, in 1886. His story brought to us as ever uh, by Donald Fallon, presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast, which you'll find anywhere you get your audio online, and also the author of uh, Henrietta Street from Tenement to Suburbia, a book about the chron- chronicles of 20th century Dublin.